The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Oranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, November 4th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guests, Nathan Coombs and Rhonda Morris of the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection. The Autism and Compassionate Care Connection strives to assist individuals with autism increase their quality of life through a scientific approach of cultivating high-quality strains of medical cannabis strategically targeted at specific symptoms with medical cannabis that is chemical, fungus, and pesticide-free. The Autism and Compassionate Care Connection is a nonprofit organization and is fully licensed. They are registered under the California Department of Health Services Medical Marijuana Program, and medicine is only available in accordance with all state and local laws. Nathan Coombs is an educator with an advanced degree in special education and over 10 years of experience in this field. He is co-owner of the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection. Rhonda Morris is a special education advocate and single mother to two adult children with autism, and she is also co-owner of the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection. Welcome, Nathan and Rhonda. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> it's our pleasure. Thank you. Well, first, let's start out by your orienting our audience. How many years has cannabis been used medicinally on a global scale? Hundreds? Thousands? On a global scale, cannabis has been used for thousands of years. Um, it's been used for, for many different things, for relief from gout, rheumatism, malaria, constipation, pain in surgery, earaches, just generalized pain, and even have evidence that it was used for pain in childbirth as well, dating back thousands of years. Wow, so it has a pretty rich history of uh, conditions that are relevant today. Was there a period in this country, uh, Rhonda and Nathan, when cannabis, such as in tinctures, uh, were easier to obtain? Yeah, um, up until 1936, previously, you know, and up until 1936, tinctures were commonly used in, in the United States. Rhonda, do you want to explain what a tincture is? A tincture is a, is a concentrate... And usually it's an alcohol, um, um, food-grade alcohol is suspended to that. And it's a, more likely a sublingual application. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's about it. So, but it was most commonly used in uh, tinctures at that time. Okay. So way back when at some point in this country, there was a period when cannabis was easier to obtain. Definitely, yeah, up until 1936. And then what happened to hamper that availability? What happened to any possible research on the topic? Well, in 1937, we had what was called the Marijuana Tax Act, which was basically banning cannabis. And then in 1941, cannabis was um, withdrawn from the U.S. pharmaceutical market. So those are some of the things that actually hampered availability and research. And to this day, FDA procedural guidelines and protocols to start research studies are so rigorous and time-consuming that most researchers don't even attempt it. Right, right. Um, You know, there's a history with uh, disciplines like uh, homeopathy, osteopathy, and there were actual... uh, there was an actual professional body or bodies that tried to stomp out those 
professions. Is that is there a similar history here? Yeah. Yes, there is. There was there, there was um, you know they did numerous studies like the Institute of Medicine, um, saying that there are definite benefits of cannabis, but um, you know we all it's all into the they wanted to schedule the schedule it to schedule one drug. And oh, okay. then um, so, once that happened, uh, there's no there's no scientific uh, medical purposes once they scheduled it for Schedule One. So then you know, go ahead. Nathan. And also, what what's hampered um, research is because you can't patent a plant. So if you were to spend all of these all of these dollars, millions of dollars, doing all the research and putting in the time and the effort, and then you can't patent it or put your name on it, then um, there's not a lot of interest for a lot of researchers to invest the time and the money to go into something that they can't actually put a patent on. All right. Don't let me forget about that, Nathan, because I know that there are some sorts of pharmaceutical products out there, and so I'm kind of confused by the last comment, but... I want to get back to something that Rhonda said. She started to mention Schedule One, um, and then how, and then you went into how that would affect research. What kind of drug is medical cannabis? Schedule One, Schedule Two, and how does that affect its availability to patients? Well, yeah, there's five different schedules, and cannabis is um, considered a Schedule One drug. And um, what Schedule One means is that it has a high potential for abuse. There's no currently accepted medical use and treatment in this country, and there's a lack of accepted safety for use of the drug. So that's pretty much a definition of any drug that falls under the category of Schedule One, and that's currently where they have um, cannabis scheduled. Wow, that sounds Other, pretty um, inaccurate. Schedule One, let me look here. Yeah, some of the drugs that are scheduled under that schedule are heroin and LSD. And they have marijuana under that same schedule. Mm. Well, it sounds, you know, inaccurate in saying that there's no benefit and things like that. Um, Approximately how many states currently have legislation making obtaining medical cannabis legal? Yeah, currently there's 20 states that have either legalized or decriminalized cannabis. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and there was a California Compassionate Use Act. What was that all about? Yeah, um, that would be Proposition 215. And um, the California Compassionate Use Act was approved in 1996. And basically what this act does, it exempts patients from prosecution for possessing or cultivating cannabis for medicinal use with a doctor's recommendation. So once again... If you have a doctor's recommendation for medical use of cannabis, it exempts patients from prosecution, from either possessing or cultivating. And that was in 1996. On the, and this is a state, on the state level. On the state level. Um, insofar as the usefulness of cannabis, which, if I remember correctly, you said Schedule 1 precludes saying that it's useful... Uh, Conversely to that, the IOM, the Institute of Medicine, had reported that cannabinoids had potential therapeutic value, especially for things like nausea reduction, appetite stimulation, anxiety reduction, pain relief. Can you explain more about that? Yeah. Yeah, in 1997, the Institute of Medicine uh, did a report recommending also not just that it helps, that um, cannabinoids have therapeutic value and it helps with all of those things, as you were saying, nausea and appetite, anxiety reduction, pain relief. But also in the report, they recommended further research and clinical trials, including they wanted to include the development of non-smoked delivery systems. Rhonda, do you want to speak to what non-smoked delivery systems are? Usually that is either um, like vaporization. That's considered a non-smoked delivery system. And vaporization is a um, is a real low heat uh, activation. The um, it's a vapor, 
so you breathe it in. And then also they have edibles, you know, food. In our experience, the food doesn't taste that well, that good. And for our kids, they're not going to eat that. And then, of course, we have tinctures, oils, and pills. We do, and that's what we specialize in, in pills. So that's the so other. Tinctures, oils, pills, uh, vapor, and edibles, and I would assume smoking just in general. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It, uh, I may be kind of jumping ahead here, but uh, before we go to break, is there some sort of a, uh, when patients use this, is there some sort of triage decision-making process to decide whether they need vaporization or another uh, route of administration? Yeah, it might depend on the age of the patient and what type of disability they have. If we're, um, you know, helping a client or a patient that is underaged, quite often they can't really attend to inhaling. They don't understand the concept and they don't have the skills to attend to something like that. So a more appropriate administration for a child that has a recommendation for cannabis may be a pill or it might be a teamster for an individual like that. So, like I said, it depends on the nature of the, the disability, what they can attend to, their age. That, that makes sense, I guess. Um, and um, I doubt that you can give actual medical advice, but I guess what my question was, was geared more toward um, the severity of the symptoms that, a particular, uh, that people are experiencing. Are there more and less effective routes of administration in uh, a more acute type of situation? Well, like, for example, if one is going to take, you know, ingest as opposed to inhaling, if someone ingests, it goes to the bloodstream. And it could take around two hours to finally mm-hmm. feel the effects if you're actually taking a pill or consuming an edible. As opposed to smoking or vaporizing, it's immediate because it doesn't go through the blood system, so it's an immediate type of thing. And also, if you're smoking or if you're vaporizing, you can kind of adjust as you're using it, you know, as opposed to a pill or something like that. It's hard to make those adjustments in um, the dosage or how much you're going to take because you swallow it, it's in your system, and you just have to wait for it to hit. Whereas if you're smoking or vaporizing, you can go little by little. And once you feel okay, then you can stop. All right. Yeah, that's, that's more along the lines of what my question was. All right, we're going to take a brief break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Just a reminder um, that we are not giving medical advice on this show, um, none of us, and that for any uh, before beginning or changing any significant uh, regimen related to health, please check with your experience. Uh, treating practitioner who oversees your family's health needs. We will be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? By making some important changes in your life, you can move forward from where you are to where you wish to be. 
it is becoming the change you want to see. It can be a sort of experiment, if you will. On Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time, your host, Dr. Serena Wadhwa, will introduce you to ideas that can help improve your health, relationships, and finances. You probably have at least one part of your life that needs improving. Make an appointment now to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. No matter what stage of life you're in, it's not too late to start thinking about and improving your overall health. Listen for Spread Your Wings and Fly Into Health with host Jennifer Tolo. Our show is all about topics that adults, teens, and communities can relate to. Our guest experts will talk about nutrition, fitness, stress management, health care, and disease management. We'll answer your questions, too. Spread your wings and fly into health. Join us every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Rhonda Morris and Nathan Coombs of the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection. And Nathan and Rhonda, what is your website address? Oh, one second here. ASDConnection.com.org? It is ASDConnection.com. Okay, ASDConnection.com. In the first segment, we were talking about uh, the early, the, the history in the early 1900s of what happened with cannabis in this country. We talked about how the Institute of Medicine actually reported that cannabinoids had potential therapeutic value, um, but unfortunately, uh, cannabis ended up uh, as a Schedule One substance. But Nathan, in 2005, the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, upheld the position of all cannabis use being illegal, although that ruling didn't question the validity of state law. So what's the difference now between state and federal law? Well, under state, patients are still protected from persecution under state law, but not federal law. Okay. um, When you are, as a cultivator, um, you are allowed a certain amount of uh, plants, you know, immature, mature plants, um, when you get your doctor's recommendation. Um, One of the biggest things you don't want to do as as a a collective or individual is to go over 99 plants. Um, That that brings in the federal, you know, uh, maybe some federal fines. But, uh, it, you know, you really don't need, if you're cultivating for yourself, you don't need that many plants. But um, it does protect you for the state. Like, you know, you have your recommendation. The state says, okay, they recognize that you're a patient by state rules. But if um, the federal, you know, anybody comes in federally, you are unfortunately are still subjected to federal prosecution, you know, regardless of whether or not the state has allowed it. And and just to be very clear, Rhonda, when you and Nathan um, refer to patients, you mean like patients of the doctors who gave right. recommendations? Doctors' you... recommendations. So they're not our patients. Are, when they come to us, they're our clients. So once a, a person gets their, their doctor recommendation, they come to us and they become a client of ours. They sign, you know, a, a membership agreement and they become members of our of our collective. So that's that's how that works when okay. um, they, we come in to provide cannabis for them, for a client right. or a member. Let's talk about the scientific rationale for the use of medical cannabis in more depth. There are these things called endocannabinoids. What are those, and what's the difference between endocannabinoids and just plain old cannabinoids? Okay, well, cannabinoids are a family of chemicals found in the cannabis plant. 
That's basically what a cannabinoid is. And there's two main cannabinoids in the cannabis plant, the uh, THC, which has the psychoactive ingredient, and CBD. And CBD stands for cannabidiol. So we have THC and CBD are the two main cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant. And like I said, it's just a family of chemicals. Now, endocannabinoids, as opposed to just cannabinoids, endocannabinoids are chemicals produced from within the body. Okay? And these endocannabinoids, which are produced within the body, they play a role in regulating immunity, inflammation, neurotoxicity, trauma, blood pressure, body temperature, appetite, etc. All right. So endocannabinoids are within the body, and cannabinoids are from the plant. Exactly. Okay. So uh, that's like a way to think about this is like endogenous, that that means having an internal cause or origin. So the endocannabinoids are in the body. Cannabinoids come from the plant. Um, And you were explaining, Nathan, the difference between THC and CBD. And is the CBD useful on its own? There are some states that can only access hemp, for example. Uh, And what's the benefit of having CBD and THC together? Yes, I mean... As I said, THC is a psychoactive ingredient. Now, CBD is, um, can be used on its own or can be used in conjunction with THC. CBD, as opposed to THC, CBD has medicinal properties. For example, anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety, anti-epileptic, sedative, and neuroprotective actions. Those are some of the things that um, CBD helps with. Now, um, as far as using them together, there's growing evidence that CBD works together with THC, bolstering its medicinal effects while moderating THC's psychoactivity. So I know from our own experience with our, our clients, having them together mm. has been very beneficial because they both actually work together synergistically and they bolster each other's medicinal effects. But it doesn't mean that CBD can't be used without the THC because a lot of people are using it exclusively without the THC and they're getting benefits. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, uh, at least that option is available to folks uh, in states that have not yet moved on legislation, moved forward on legislation. Um, and a lot of people so, are afraid of the psychoactive effects of THC. Um, but from our experience, when you use it together with CBD, it does help to um, calm the person. Uh, the THC has a very calming effect. It helps with sleep. It helps with appetite. Um, it helps with a lot of aggressive behaviors that we've seen with individuals or even children with, uh, with autism. A lot of the self-injurious behaviors, it helps with that as well. Right. So I think and, a lot of people kind of dismiss the benefits of THC just because maybe it's not legal where they're at. All they're allowed to do is um, use CBD, so they don't really look into the benefits of THC because it's really not an option for them in certain states mm-hmm. at this time, unfortunately. Right, and we encourage listeners to please um, only do what's legal where you're at. Um, so, Nathan and Rhonda, a lot of people are very interested in the anti-inflammatory effects of CBD that you mentioned. So can you talk more about that, please? Um, CBD is very effective, uh, anti, uh, a very effective anti-inflammatory. Um, we, uh, well, I've experienced it in, our, in my own um, way with uh, my mother who has um, osteoarthritis and she's really swollen in her joints and she was using a high CBD um, cannabis in a pill form, and within, like, uh, I believe it was about two to three weeks, she had marked um, her inflammation and, swe- you know, the swelling had went down so much that she was able to use joints that were previously frozen because of the swelling. Um, but, yes, we have, we have used it um, in conjecture with uh, the THC, and certain kids, um, we find that very, um, 
It moderates the THC. It helps with any kind of uh, inflammatory issues that they're having. And then it also allows the THC to last longer. So a lot of um, our clients, they tend to take um, a a little tidy pill before school, and they're able to go through their day with a, a much lower rate of anxiety. And it's very it's a very market improvement. Like um a lot of people who don't even know will say, Wow, this you know, this this young person really had a good day. Um Okay. Else? I oh. that that was a, a lovely story about your mom. Now she took it in pill form? Yes, she did. Yeah. Okay, so when you said that she had frozen joints, you were referring to like her knees and her fingers and everything. You don't mean she was using it in smoking form. And no, it was I, that was pill because my mother is a, um, she's very conservative. She's very anti-smoking. And, um, you but know, it allowed has, her mobility yeah. in her, in her, the joints of her body. Yes, the mobility in the joints of her body. That was our first experience with the anti-inflammatory properties of CBD. So. Very good. That's a lovely story. Thank you for sharing that with uh, with our listeners. We're going to take a brief break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and we will be right back with Nathan and Rhonda from the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection. You can visit their site during the break at asdconnection.com. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Nathan Coombs and Rhonda Morris of the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection, www.asdconnection.com. And, Rhonda, you said something so interesting before the break. You told us a heartwarming story about your mom who had immobility in the joints of her body, like fingers and knees and things like that, um, from osteoarthritis and how she was helped by taking pills of medical cannabis. And I know that um, there are probably many elderly people out there who are prescribed narcotic-type medication that can... uh, from what I hear, has the effect of constipation, which is a whole problem in itself because you don't want to reabsorb toxins from not getting that stuff out of your body. Um, and then there are all sorts of side effects from narcotics that uh, I know a man who had gut pathology and he was given narcotics for the gut pathology and that came with 
a whole sort of disability of its own. Right. Um, and then he was just really helped when he was able to get medical cannabis, and um, it helped his gut pathology. It helped him not have the adverse effects that he was having from the narcotics that he had been given. Uh, why don't you address that? Right. Um, my my mother, she um, she was having such bad uh, knee pain that uh, she had several very painful um, cortisol cortisone injections in her in her knees. And they they alleviated the pain only temporarily, whereas the cannabis she was like uh, with the can you know ingesting it through pill form, she was able to like completely wean herself off Vicodin for pain. Um, she was walking better, moving her hands better, and um, and of course uh, overall she just felt better. So um, I also have a doctor who has uh, my own personal doctor. He um, he refers a lot of his own patients to us for for this for pain management, and um, I guess we have uh, a few older members that um, come to us for pain management, and they so use the high. We do do the high CBD along with high THC at the same time, and that seems to be working for a select few of our older members. Okay, so you mean he's doing the pain management and then he's just sending them to you for supplies. Exactly. So. Okay. Okay, very good. Um, so your mom was able to, you know, to get away from the codeine, to get away from the constipation. Right. And, and also the item that you mentioned has, has I think, acetaminophen in it. Yes. And... That depresses your sulfation, so that's bad for your immune system. And then the steroids, that's not good for your immune system. No. Mm-mm. And then, you know, and then also you have to remember your liver is affected when you have all that Vicodin going into you. So, you know, she had to have, you know, she was always constantly, when she was on a lot of Vicodin, she was always constantly uh, testing for liver function. And, you know, they had a lot of, you know, it was a lot of testing to make sure everything uh, not being affected too severely, her, her organs. But um, now she's on very little, if any, um, outside pain meds. And uh, she's, she's feeling great. And, um, and uh, okay. our other members are really feeling good, too. So they're like, well, now we're going back to Vicodin. <laughs> Well, well, good for good for her. Very good. Yeah. Okay, uh, and thanks for uh, helping your clients out in that manner, um, Nathan. Going back to the cannabinoid deficiency, do you think that people in the population actually have a deficiency? Yeah, um, th- there is a proposed contributor. Um, it's called SEDS. It's uh, SEDS stands for Clinical Endocannabinoid Deficiency Syndrome. So, yes, there are people in the population that, you know, may have a cannabinoid deficiency. And, um, like I said, it's a proposed contributor uh, to ASD, autism spectrum disorder, and it's treated with cannabinoid medicines, hence cannabis. So when we're talking about clinical endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome, like I said, we all have um, endocannabinoids, you know, in our own body that's produced within. And if we're deficient in that area of our endocannabinoids, a lot of times we need to get it from another source. If our body is not producing it naturally or efficiently or effectively, we, a lot of times we might ingest or um, inhale cannabinoid medicine, which is um, cannabis, to help with that deficiency. Okay. Is autism the only thing that clinical endocannabinoid... Um, no, not, not just um, ASD, um, symptoms of ASD. It helps with, um, there's irritable bowel syndrome, helps with migraine. So conditions that um, the deficiency is associated with, for example, irritable bowel syndrome, like I said, and migraines. There's fibromyalgia and um, other disorders as well or conditions. All right. And is it cost-effective? Um, definitely. Um, I know that uh, when we make pills for our clients, a pill could range anywhere from $2.50 to 
upwards to, the, depending on the size of the pill, a smaller pill might be $2.50, a larger pill, $4 possibly. So it is very cost-effective if you look at the price of pharmaceuticals and what the cost of one pill might be to address some of these symptoms. And Rhonda, I know that um, you're a heart patient and mm-hmm. you've had to take many different pharmaceuticals and you've had to pay you know, uh, the price uh, yeah. in more ways than one. Well, what are some of the cost breakdowns that you know of? With well, I know for um, one fact that uh, Abilify, which is commonly uh, prescribed to um, kids with autism, you know, it's an antipsychotic. That can range anywhere from twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a month, and that's just a pill of uh, thirty pills. So it, you know, cost-effective, definitely. Um, we usually don't go over cost, uh, you know, online until oh, we uh, they become a member, and, and it's not a it's a donation. It's not that we're charging. This is a donate. Our, our cost, our donations to keep uh, to help grow their particular plan. But um it is very cost effective considering when you're um, you know, looking at pharmaceuticals versus um cannabis. So Yeah. Autism and Compassionate Care Connection is a nonprofit organization. Yeah, have you ever looked at the uh literature that's stapled on to the bag at the drugstore that says, you know, you saved uh, 17 umpteen gazillion dollars, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, this this is what per pill? $40 per pill? $300 per pill? What? Exactly, exactly. And, uh, yeah. and it's crazy. And so, um, no, our, our cannabis, you know, comparatively, it's, it's dirt cheap. No. <laughs> 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 no pun intended. Um, so we've talked about cost effectiveness. Are there any physiological risks related to toxicity or anything else? What's the safety no, profile? Not necessarily. There have never been reports of death directly due to acute cannabis use ever. THC has extremely low toxicity, and the amount that can enter the body through consumption of the plant poses no threat of death whatsoever. Mm. I mean, the most risk might be maybe some euphoria. It could be a little bit of nausea if you're not used to it, if you're a new user. There might be a little bit of paranoia at first if you're a new user, but as far as toxicity, um, extremely, extremely low, if any. Yeah, and and when we talk about paranoia, we're usually um, referring to adults with their first time use, because you know you hear all this all this talk, you know all this, uh, ooh, it's, it's going to make me go crazy, blah blah. Well, when it comes to you know kids on the on the spectrum, they don't know, so mm-hmm. we um, we've never really we've never experienced that a, uh, a young child with autism experiencing paranoia. "Quote unquote," you know. Mostly, um, when that is encountered from adults that have preconceived ideas of what being, you know, using uh, cannabis is going to be like. So, that's is that right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Very good. We're going to take a brief break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and we will be right back. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you or someone you love struggle with Alzheimer's disease or some other disorder? Many times there is not an adequate support forum where you can learn from and discuss topics from top guest experts. Tune in to NeuroMatters, The Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Although thought of as a disease that affects only older individuals, increasingly symptoms are being found in people who are in their 40s and 50s. Get the answers. NeuroMatters airs live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? 
CBD or cannabidiol is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Nathan Coombs and Rhonda Morris of the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection, www.asdconnection.com. And before the break, we established that medical cannabis is cost-effective and, uh, and uh, safe, has a good safety profile. Why is medical cannabis thought to be helpful for some symptoms or comorbid conditions of autism? Well, um, this is Rhonda. We um, we have found in our in our experience um, that the cannabis has helped with anxiety. It's helped with self injurious behaviors, um, uh, uh, insomnia. A lot of our kids have a hard time sleeping, um, and so we find that is extremely effective for insomnia. Um, and then, of course, we have a lot of a lot of children. Our, you know, in our experience, our own personal children have epilepsy. So we find that the cannabis is definitely a um, helps with epilepsy, the seizure activity. So, is there anything else, Nathan, that you can? Uh, and uh, you know, so we we find that you know overall, it just helps calm their bodies. Because um, you know, there, there's, it seems like our kids are going a thousand miles a minute, and uh, and then the appetite. You know, they you know, a lot of times our kids don't want to eat, and so we do a lot of, I did a, a lot of um, you know appetite stimulation uh, stimulant, and of course self injurious behaviors again. How about aggression? Have you heard any of your clients? report that medical cannabis has been helpful with aggression? Absolutely. A lot of, um, a lot of you know, you, know you, you get these kids that are, you know, they're having a hard time communicating. They become really aggressive. And with the cannabis, it just calms them down. They're more, they're more um, receptive. Their receptive language starts just coming out. Um, actually, Nathan's oldest son, his... His expressive language, once he's on his um, cannabis, it's like he's talking, you know. And, and without cannabis, he's, he's nonverbal. But once he's, um, he's on cannabis and he's relaxing, all these words come out of him. Like, like you know, he's, he's almost a conversationalist. And, um, but, yes, definitely aggressive de- uh, tendencies is definitely, um, it helps with that, too. Well, that's really nice to hear. Yeah. So if a, you mentioned epilepsy, Rhonda, if a child has epilepsy, should the family continue to be supervised by their treating physician? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my daughter has epilepsy, and so she uh, is constantly, you know, we see our doctor every six weeks. He is, uh, every, every, everybody on her medical team is fully aware of her cannabis um, intake how much she takes, she still, she continues to be on an anti-epileptic pill too. So it's not that we stop any kind of medication. This, uh, this helps, you know, helps whatever pills. There are some families with their doctor supervision are starting to wean off some um, anti-seizure meds, 
but that's always, always, always under physician uh, monitoring. They're always um, with their uh, treating physician. Yeah, and I also have a son with um, autism and epilepsy, and he continues to see his neurologist and, and other physicians. So, yeah, with, with the cannabis, we're able to wean him off some of the, the other pharmaceuticals he was on. He still has some for his seizures, and then he has, he's on a special diet as well. So there's things that we do in conjunction with the cannabis, and we still need a, a doctor's supervision, especially with my son's special diet. And can the medical cannabis uh, improve the nature or frequency of the still existing seizures? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know firsthand from our clients and my own children. Mm-hmm. Very important. So we talked earlier in the show about routes of administration, and um, I know there was something I had said I wanted to get back to. It had something to do with pills, pre- prepared pills that you would buy at a drugstore. How do you feel about this, those types of standardized prescription pills. I hear they may not have all of the strains of the family of THC in them. You know, it it may leave out some things, whereas it would have been better if they all worked together. Do you get what I'm talking about here? Right. Yeah. What we do, um, our pills, when we make pills, we make our pills are specific, strain-oriented, like if you go to another dispensary, they might have an indica pill or a sativa pill. And a lot of times it's not a specific strain. And with us, because we have to be very careful, we monitor all our clients and um, we have parents, you know, let us know how this works, this strain works, this strain or the other strain. What strain doesn't work for your, you know, one client works for another. So we don't ever mix strains. And um, we also, when we do a high CBD, a high THC, we don't even mix those. We give one pill with a high THC and then one pill for a high CBD. That way we can control the amounts of CBD versus THC. And we also want to know, make sure which strains are, are being worked. Along the lines of that, too, we're very careful with what we uh, make our pills with. Right now, uh, we're completely organic coconut oil. That's the mix. It's what's cooked in it. Um, the pills are, are um, kosher. They're uh, vegetarian pills or vegan pills. So, you know, there's nothing um, in our pills. A lot of times, another dispensary, along with not um, knowing the individual strain, they'll make their pills with butter. And some of our kids don't take casein. So, okay. you know, that's another problem there. That's really all good to know, Rhonda, actually. Um, my question, though, was for pills that people might pick up at the drugstore that are, um, like, made by pharmaceutical companies and kind of look like M&Ms or something. Um, so your pills are like plant pills. But exactly. the pills that you would get at the pharmacy, do they, are they, how are they different? Well, our pills are completely organic. I mean, are you are you talking about are you talking about cannabis pills that are pharmaceutical grade, or are you talking about just any pharmaceutical I in general? I've heard names like Marinol Sativex or something. I'm not sure I'm getting this right. Uh, the Marinol is a synthetic drug, so that is a. Uh, a lab-oriented, like it's synthetic. It's a synthetic THC. Um, it doesn't really have the cannabinoids that you would get from a, a plant-based pill. Uh, Sativix is a spray. It's almost like um, um, a plant. It's a plant-based uh, spray, but unfortunately, it's not available in the United States right now. I think you can only get that in like Canada and the UK, but. Um, Marinol is definitely a synthetic. It is not a, a whole plant pill. Okay, I have a just in the in the whole nutraceutical realm. Um, it seems like um, natural things. Um, there may be many people who think that natural things are better, 
um, for example, vitamin D3 um, versus getting vitamin D2 at the drugstore counter or something like that. So there are a lot of people who favor more natural things. Um, So, Nathan and Rhonda, thank you for providing all this information today. How can listeners find out more information about the Autism and Compassionate Care Connection, and where can they contact you? Well, we can, you can always visit our website at asdconnection.com. We have a lot of information about cannabis on there and um, our philosophy, our mission, a little bit about our story, uh, the different strains that we carry, things of that nature. So definitely uh, visit our web address. And um, our email is also, if, if you go to our, our, you know, our web address, you'll find our email there and our phone number there and, you know, and mailing address as well. Okay, very good. And Rhonda, do you have any closing comments for families? Well, I, I, the, only thing I, the only thought I have is um, if, you're at, if you're at a point where this is, you're looking um, for something natural and safe and if things, you know, other things are not working, to not, not be afraid to try it and, um, and to be open with your doctor, you know, and, uh, and just explore and do your, do your research. And please feel free to call us. We are open to talking. You don't have to be a member. We will talk your ear off about it, and you can talk to us about your particular situation, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll provide you with all kinds of information and where to go and anywhere else, anything else that you need to know. Thank you. And just to reassure listeners who like published uh, things published in journals, there is actually research out there. Um, at this point, um, there is some research out there, so good news there. Um, and Nathan and Rhonda, I just want to thank you again for sharing this safe and hopeful option for families today. Well, thank you for having us. We yes, appreciate it. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. And to our listeners, don't forget to register for the National Autism Conference that's happening next week in sunny Tampa, St. Pete, Florida. It's a truly lovely venue. There are lots of speakers with helpful information. And the National Autism Association puts together a delicious dinner on the relaxing beach. Please go to www.nationalautismconference.org. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.